day with mixed emotions here in Canada on a day where things are starting to get very interesting. We are back here on the World Cup Day. I'm Boris, and I am joined this, this day by Phil. I live here, but I can't get out. How's it going, Phil? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Couple days off. Apologies there, but uh, I think people who know us, who know me, knew that uh, this weekend was going to be a... Uh, uh, a crapshoot, but uh, I was fine. Just Friday, I didn't really have a voice. It was like, so raspy, and I'm like, oh, this is not good. Um, but that was that. Overall, felt fine. Yesterday, spent a day with friends. You had a quite an interesting weekend as well. Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, I lost my voice as well, so I apologize to everybody because I know we made this commitment, but... Um, Sometimes things just don't work out, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I uh, I just had a, a fun excursion with my stomach this evening, but hey, didn't kill me, only made me stronger. Made your colon stronger, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> well, pretty much, yeah. But All right. So thank we goodness missed... for the brand new toilet seat. <laughs> there you go. So we missed a couple of days. Um, we're going to be talking about everything that happened on Friday and yesterday. We're going to be getting to today's games as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, been a crazy, crazy few days. All right. Mm-hmm. So Brazil. Uh, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you an example though, just okay. before we break into results. Let's. I, my father has been watching more soccer. Then I, 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 he watches TFC because I watch TFC. And something that's happened here is through repeated exposure to the sport, he's starting to like it. And the thing that blew me away was Friday being the big American holiday where all the sports teams are playing Friday afternoon, including our beloved Toronto Maple Leafs versus yes. the Minnesota Wild. It was on at 2 in the afternoon, right against USA versus England. And my dad, I went downstairs, and I'm like, the Leaf game's on. And he goes, I know. And I go, why are you watching US versus England? And he says, I want to know how this ends. I'm more interested in this than I am the Leafs. And I'm just like, well... Up is down, black is white. I don't know what's going on in this world anymore. The unfortunate part there. The unfortunate part there is that that, and we'll get to that in a minute. But that was like the worst, absolute worst game that anyone could be exposed to. No, but he was he was into it, man. Good. uh, Every time I go downstairs, he's got more World Cup on, or as much as I do. And he's telling me things, and I'm just like. Who is this man and where is my father? <laughs> it's just the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. He's enjoying it. And I'm glad that's the one magical thing about the World Cup is that casual soccer fans become passionate soccer fans. And I love that about it. People yeah. get entrenched with their country, um, excited for the results. And yeah. It's just fun to see it catching on here in Canada more and more. Yep. That being said, you know, that uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great time for the sport. And I'm looking forward to the future. And we'll even have news about 
possible things happening in the MLS with some big players too. Yeah, very, very big things. A um, couple Canadians and Americans getting some eyes on them. Good for them. Very good for them. Yep. Um, all right, let's uh, get through some news and then we'll get kind of through the results, blow through them and uh, take things from there. All right, so unfortunate news. Riot police were called uh, to deploy tear gas and disperse a crowd in the streets of Brussels uh, and in the Netherlands following Morocco's stunning 2-0 win, win over Belgium on yeah. Sunday. There are additional reports of smaller distribution in other Belgian cities, Antwerp and Liege. Uh, so that's uh, the unfortunate, very unfortunate part right there. Yeah, that's the ugly side of the sport. And I understand it's um, easy to get taken, uh, uh, carried away with results. But uh, yeah, you got to stay safe. Like you got to you got to do that stuff within a proportional and proper response, not yeah. this bullshit. Yeah, exactly. All right, so the U.S. men's national team, they are preparing for a win-or-go-home clash with Iran on Tuesday. But here's kind of the, the, the some, of, some of the, you know, talk in the locker room. It involves some of their players, similar to Canada, like I mentioned earlier. They are getting a lot of eyes on them, uh, but there seems to be a lot of eyes on the U.S. star Christian Pulisic. Apparently, yeah. some many teams have approached him, including our team, Manchester United, and it looks like uh, they're going to allow him to leave in the January transfer window. Crazy stuff, and I don't know if that's a good idea for him in terms of going to United, but hey, I, I, he is a good player. I have seen him before at uh playing for chelsea and i didn't really realize that he was american to be honest so good on him i've never really clocked him on the american national team and put two and two together so. right yeah sometimes yeah it happens so it's interesting okay so paul sex like 24 right and then we've talked about jonathan osorio many times and yeah. he's 29 right like that that's that's the one thing that i've always said that's going against osorio Right, so that's yep. why I can see him staying in Canada or in TFC. At least MLS. I think, yeah, I think he's going to move on. I, I, I think that he's going to move on to a team, but I think he's going to suffer the same experience as a Richie Larea. Yes, in the sense that he's going to have dreams of getting onto a bigger European club, and really, what's going to end up happening is he does a lot of. Working out and bench work, which isn't bad, like riding the pine. I think Richie Larea is a better player for his experience, and he's one of the first guys to say that himself. But all that being said, I just I think he's past his prime. I think that a move that he's if he's going to make it outside of the MLS is going to be about getting a paycheck, and I can't blame him for that. Exactly. And you know he might become a better player as a result too. But he, his time is ticking. He's only got, you know, probably about five or six years left on that clock, if that. And unfortunately, with that neurological disorder that he, he seems to have come down with, I don't know the extent to that. And I, I just worry about him as a person when it comes to that. Yep. Nothing but love for him. He's done great for our city and our club and our country. But... Uh, I wish him the best in whatever he ends up doing, but I, I just can't see him returning on TFC. Agreed, 100%. All 
All right, moving on. So, someone who will probably have European future going from the MLS, Alistair Johnson, who plays his club football with CF Montreal. He is most likely on his way to Europe. There seem to be a lot of eyes on him, especially after his performance last week against Belgium. I bet you there's a lot of eyes on him tonight. What do you think of that? Yeah. Uh, he actually grew up in the town right next to me, Aurora, Ontario. Yep. And um, I just got to applaud the guy in the sense that he came really out of nowhere. And he got on to CF Montreal. He got his call up and he's made a name for himself. And uh, again, another guy that I just want to see succeed. Um, I think he would do well in Celtic. Like, I think he would do well playing that type of game because uh, to me, to go to a Scottish uh, Scottish team from uh, MLS side is a very natural fit because they both play physical games. And they both are hard-nosed, like both leagues are hard-nosed. So he's a small guy, but good for him. I think he's going to be a better player for it. And at least he didn't do a check sighting symbol in the air before he decided to move to Celtic. <laughs> Correct. That was it was a welcome change with Celtic in the in the mix. Thirteen year old reference for the win right there. Well, at least I won't be getting a, a lawyer speaking to me about uh, inappropriate placement of myself in the team dressing room for that one. Yep. <laughs> that was always a fun chat. All right. Brazil. Are they going to be okay in case Neymar doesn't play their next game? Uh, their second group G game is going to happen against Switzerland. Uh, and there is growing concern that Neymar will not be part of that because of his injured ankle. Are they going to be okay? Is this a sign of the future? I'm okay with it. I think Brazil are deep. And, and what? He got fouled nine times Yeah, in that first game. Like, we, we just can't have this happening in the sport. Like, I get wanting to be competitive. I get wanting to send a message. But just concentrating on a player to the point where he's injured is kind of sad. But I don't think that I think it's the one team that's going to be like, okay, Neymar, just take a break and uh, hold this guy's beer. Yep. <laughs> Whoever comes in and, and spots in for him, I think they're that talented. Yeah. But. I don't think that it's going to. I just think it's a black eye for the the superstars of the leagues of of the teams, but it's not going to be even a speed bump for Brazil. Agreed, and the same can be said about Uruguay. There's a lot of more articles that I'm reading throughout the past few days. Yes, I've been keeping up with news. Um, you know, mentioning about hey, should Suarez be benched? Should we think about the future? Yeah, you got to move on, right? Like the, you got to think about a world without some of these staples because they don't last forever. Like you got to bring in the next wave of 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 players. You got to inspire them and then give them time to uh to work with the older players and learn. Exactly. And that's the only way you're going to do this. Exactly. And then, you know, a lot of teams what happens unfortunately this happened to Spain. This has happened to France. This happened to Italy. It's happening to Germany in real time, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, they do a full kind of like turn of the page and get a brand new team and they end up missing a tournament or two. 
Yeah, they struggle in the group stages. They do. They 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 have a national football crisis. <laughs> it's it's to be it's to be expected when you have to wholesale change stuff like that. Yeah, it's not exactly. always pleasant. Oh no, not always. All right, so this is what we're gonna do. That's all the hey, real. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one thing here yeah. that came out tonight on TSN. Yeah. One little bit of news, and we've seen this before, but. It's now being reported on the news instead of the, the the football rags, and it looks imminent that at the end of the 2023 season, Lionel Messi will be joining Inter Miami in uh, the MLS and gaining partial ownership of either that club or a club within the MLS as yeah. a as a sweetener on the deal, similar to the David Beckham. Similar you know. to Ronaldo's future contract. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if that is. And you, you imagine know. a day, a possibility. We can Beckham pull off the impossible. And you know exactly where I'm going with this. I can see it in your face. Our listeners, I can see it in all your faces too. Can you imagine a day? Is it possible? Can David Beckham pull off the impossible and get Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo both in CF Montreal. <laughs> or it's not CF oh, Montreal. Goodness. Miami. In Miami, Miami. But still, like, just imagine extrapolating that one more step and go, can you imagine the day when David Beckham's Inter Miami is playing Ronaldo's Las Vegas Knights? Yeah. Or, or, or Las Vegas, Las Vegas uh, Galacticos. Versus Messi's Argentina, Argentinian uh, uh, soldiers uh, from ex North American city. Yep. Because you know that it would go something like that, and it would be nothing about the cities and the fact that the owners are battling. Yep. And the different colors and the caricatures in the newspapers and the the just, I I just cringe to think about that like. Cringe in a good way, I guess, but... I cringe because this... MLS has to be very careful, right? The, this is what happened yeah. to the NASL. They brought a lot of older players, and we all know what happens there, right? Your your league gets dubbed the retirement league, and that's that's essentially the end of your league. And that was the end of the NASL at the time. You know, MLS has struggled yeah. with this constantly, right? And I think that we've had a very good wave of bringing in big-name players in their prime. And then there have been your Sebastian Giovenkos, who come out of nowhere almost to surprise your league. You know, it's that balancing act that I find that MLS really needs to be careful with because as good as it could be from a PR optics point of view of getting these big names on your league, right? Like, do you remember the Gerard experiment? Yep. Oh, goodness. How many times? Again, the classic mistake by these big big name players is that they're going to come here and it's going to be a retirement league. And then they get here and guess what? It's not. It's physical. Yeah. It's in your face. You have to work hard. Like TFC. Well, just Defoe. One of, yeah, well, Defoe, exactly. Um, uh, Crescito, our, yeah. our, our newest player, one of our newest uh, uh, players from Italy, uh, played half a season with us and said, no, I'm hanging them up. Yeah, like, and he's already on the end of his career. We knew that, but it's just—he's just like, no, this, like, I can guarantee you, the conversation is, oh, this is sure. way more hard work than it was in Italy. We have like this talk ugh. to players, and that's 
a constant thing. It's this league is a lot more physical. I'm taking an ass kicking in a game, and then I'm you expect me to fly five thousand kilometers for the next game midweek. Yeah. And and be in a time zone that's three hours different and just it's an ask, man. It's not like Europe and whatnot where you can just jet out for a Champions League game on a Tuesday or a Wednesday in another country and still be just an hour difference, a short plane ride or whatever, right? Like this is this is a, a, a big time thing uh, that's physically demanding and the game itself, the players don't play a respectful football minded game. They play a physical, hardworking, uh, uh, demanding game that's going to result in a lot more injuries and fitness issues. Yeah, the the MLS style is this weird mixture of Americans and Canadians who grew up playing FIFA and thinking slide tackles is beautiful, um, <laughs> having you know less form for for lack of a better term, and mixed in with that Mexican. I'm going to take a bite out of your leg if I can't get you, right? Like, yeah. It's a very well, demanding that. physical style in the MLS that some Europeans can't adapt to. Yeah, we learned that from Mexico and yeah. others and yeah. other countries. Like, uh, yeah. It's- and as the MLS <sighs> pays, because, you know, the MLS actually pays their players, the MLS has mm-hmm. a structure that is nice to. South American and Mexican players. So this is what I've always wanted for the MLS. And it's becoming the destination for the Americas, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's what the MLS it's- is turning into. So, you know, as we're getting more players from other countries, you're mixing in all these different styles of the North American and South American game. And some Europeans can't, they can deal with these that this style once a month every four years but they can't deal with it six months seven months eight months out of the year yeah it's it's a tough league it really is but you know the the people who thrive are strong yes that's that's your end result and that's that's something i think that the north american fan really respects is and especially i'm not going to say uniquely canadian i think they they respect it in all the markets but I think that the players figure out pretty quickly here, in, in, at least in Toronto and probably Canada overall, we don't put up with the the theatrics no. in, the, in the stands. And that's that's a very important thing to shed and I think, when you get here. Agreed. And I think that's a player like Richie Laria. He learned very quickly that we don't tolerate that because he was not a liked player when he came and started with us. Yep. And he earned every bit of his dues yes at the hard way so credit where credit's due on that front because it's why yeah a lot of people forget but back after we won the world uh the uh the mls cup in 2017 18 was a disastrous year but a lot of people were starting to turn on sebastian giovenko because he started going to those tactics yeah, he he did that, and he also was missing, you know, a lot of games due to injury, and it certainly looked like Tart wasn't in it, and the, yeah. the persistent rumors all the way through the last half of the season that he just wanted to get out and was, you know, signing a fat contract. As much as we all love the guy, and we continue to love him in that in that sense of what he achieved, yeah, uh, I I 
I, when I heard the news about him possibly wanting to get onto the roster this year, I was lukewarm at best Same. about it because it's like you walked out on the team once and you don't get to come back for glory at that point. Like exactly. it, it's a very rare thing. Like you look at what Daniil Henry had to do to, to come back here and whatnot. He, he went on a journey and Javenko to me didn't really go on that journey, but he'll forever have my respect as far as what he accomplished and what he did for our city and our club. Yep, exactly. All right, let's talk some results. Friday, November 25th was a very interesting day. A lot of stuff going on. It all started with Iran beating Wales 2-0. To further my point, that I feel like the winner of that group and the runner-up of that group are the teams that beat up Wales the most and second most. Because everyone yeah, else much. seems to be beating themselves up, right? Like, it's all so even, except for when you face Wales. Yeah. Unless, well, yeah. Wales is really the whipping boy of the group. But I think there's going to be one team that doesn't make it that's going to feel very hard done by. Yep. Second game, Sasa Nigel beating Qatar 3-1, officially eliminating Qatar from the 2022 World Cup. I don't have anything else to say. No, you know, I, I, it's, it's a lot. We, we all knew it was going to happen. <laughs> and, and good on anybody who's in Qatar who lives there. And, um, yeah, we get it. You spend a lot of money on it and you got good your team you. in there. So let's yeah, move on. Good for you guys. Netherlands and Ecuador came to a 1 1 draw. Yeah, that's a shocker. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was a little bit taken aback by that. And when I saw Ecuador score and yeah, good on them. Um, Netherlands looks rusty. Like we were talking about these teams that have to do these rebuilds and whatnot. Netherlands are, uh, they've got a lot of youth and they've got some injuries that they're dealing with and they're doing their best, but they're, uh, yeah, struggling a little bit. Yep. And then the main event, which was the possibly the worst football game that anyone could watch. It was like your stereotypical reason why I don't like soccer argument. And it was probably the biggest game for the U.S. in terms of an audience possible with it being Black Friday. Yes, there was a lot of sports competition that day. But let's be honest, World Cup and Fox are getting enough eyes on and, and marketing machine behind them that they're getting new eyes on the game. But unfortunately, people had to watch this England-U.S. game on Friday that ended in a 0-0 draw. Yeah, it was, I, I liked some of the pace that I saw in it, but overall, lack of goals is a tough sell. Sometimes you can have a great game with no goals. It's not as frequent as a lot of other, yeah, it was boring. <laughs> I can't argue it. Yep. All right, I can't that... find the silver lining on that one. Exactly. Yeah, you're trying England. so hard. I was disappointed in the States. Both did, you, did you notice I just stopped paying attention? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that was Friday. Let's talk about yesterday's game. The Socceroos of Australia beat Tunisia 1-0. I'm not shocked by that. I'm happy, uh, I'm happy Australia got a W. And it makes, it makes for a spicy sausage. In a game that had a lot of repercussions for the, for the final game of the day, Poland beat Saudi Arabia 2-0. 
yeah, that, that after Saudi Arabia did Argentina in, they're just like, ah, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take my... What, we had what a card, national holiday already. <laughs> what card did the uh, one of the princes give each player? I don't know. I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Apparently, every player got gifted some, like, high-end luxury car. Wow. Well, good for them. I And I bet you they all had to return it after that game. <laughs> then they shit the bed. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like... This is the issue with upsets is people forget that there's still a lot more tournament to go through. And I'm not saying that, like, don't celebrate it. Sometimes that's a huge accomplishment for your for your for your team. But there's still a lot of games left. Right. Yeah. uh, Look, if we would have beat Belgium that first game, I think at that point, expectations like the fact that we even showed up created expectations on our national team side. The, the fact that we, we only lost by one goal, the fact that we were hard done by by the ref, the fact that, you know, all this stuff just made for this this incredibly this incredible energy leading into today. But you have to also realize that without those early wins, you're screwing yourself later in the tournament because you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. But this is the exact opposite of that with Saudi Arabia because they got that win that they never expected to get. And now I just feel like they've they've shot their load. Like just like we're done. Skaplot. <laughs> All right. France beat Denmark two to one. Oh, France beat Denmark two to one. No, uh, you shouldn't I'm, be shocked. I'm surprised. By this. I'm not shocked by this at all. Mbappe, both goals, I believe, and um, they were. It was nice because, like, like they said on the broadcast that we watch here in Canada on TSN. Uh, Kevin Kilbane was sitting there going, um, he said at the half, apparently off camera that he thinks even though Mbappe has been completely invisible in the first half, he's like, he's probably going to score two goals in the second half. And sure enough, he did. And they're all just sitting there like, who the hell are you? <laughs> Cause they're like, he's player of the match. And in the first half, we didn't even see him like, and he's, he's that prolific of a score. Uh, I'm, I'm, I was, yeah, France, yeah. And at least they tried getting a goal and making it close. Go effort. Mm-hmm. Argentina kept their World Cup uh, campaign alive by beating Mexico two to nothing. I'm not shocked by that, but I'm no. glad that Argentina got their, their stuff together and Messi uh, scored... To me, I like goals like that, where they're long distance aimed, and um, and he is just his pacing and ability to stop on the ball, then put a shot in with such accuracy and power from so far away. Um, those are good goals for me. I like them a lot. I'm I'm happy with that result. Yep. Anytime Mexico loses, I'm a, a, a little piece of me smiles, but that's not good for you. I know. <laughs> they're one of your teams, I know, but it's no, just not, the CONCACAF in me. I know. It's just the CONCACAF in me, right? It's yeah. just Mexico are always this bigger than life entity that thinks that they can, they, they, can don- they can compete on the world stage, and they have. I'm not saying that they can't or anything. Yep. I'm just saying, like, it's just this air of superiority and. When they get taken down a peg, it's it's kind of humbling for them, but it'll only make them stronger in the end, really, too. So, yeah, for sure. 
All right, so that was that. Let's talk about today's games. We're going to go in a different order than the game stuff happened for obvious reasons. So we're going to start the day with the first game of the day, funny enough. That was Japan-Costa Rica, which was a very 50-50 game. It was a kind of a boring game. No team wanted to take that chance, in my opinion, up until the 80th minute when Costa Rica scored. Fuller is the man to find the back of the net with a beautiful curler from near the edge of the box to give Costa Rica the lead 1-0. to nil. That's how the game ended. Yeah, kind of shocking, to be honest. Same, considering how well Japan played. And this is another example, right, of like similar to Saudi Arabia, is, okay, you got your win, but you're still parking the bus. Three points is not going to be enough. You you know, you needed to find and play with that same intensity that you did the day before. And I think, this is my most humble opinion, I believe that this is the difference between Saudi Arabia, um, Japan, and Canada. Canada played, at least for the first part, with that same intensity, but then they just got tired, and we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a little bit. But I just wanted to bring that up real quick, is that, like, you know, I feel like Japan kind of parked the bus and expected the best. I felt like, you know, they were still riding the wave and riding high on beating Germany a few days ago, and, you know, they just got caught, and that's that. So here's something funny that happened as... I line and uh, I get Phil ready for to answer that. Everything goes, uh, just freezes up on us. And he sends me a message. Well, power is out. So that's that. I'll uh, finish the show alone there. We were talking about Costa Rica and uh, Japan. So that was that. We're going to jump to the Belgium-Morocco game from earlier today. Belgium, what did I tell you they were? Nothing but frauds, and that fraud status continued to show today because you tell me how you can go 64.7% possession to 35.3% possession at the 70th minute mark and still end up losing. So at the 73rd minute, Morocco are ahead. Substitutions were made. A corner is one on the left side. And Sabiri, who was recently brought on, curls in a lovely attempt at the far post, which beat Courtois. And that was that. Morocco is in the lead by one to nothing. But that's not all. Lukaku was brought on late in the game in the 82nd minute. They're really, you know, Belgium at this point, really looking for a goal, really wanting everything to happen. Five minutes of stoppage time was added, but that gave Morocco enough time to score a second goal. And it was Moroccan mayhem at Al uh, Thumama. Zayek has been constant nuisance for Belgium, and he makes a valuable assist as his run into the box leaves him pushed to the outside right. He spots Abu Kalal lurking not too far from the near post. The Ford receives it from Zayek and shoots right into the top corner of the net to send the Moroccan fans in absolute delirium in Qatar. As Morocco goes up two to nothing, fraud status confirmed on Belgium right there. All right, we're going to go to the next game of the day, but we're like I said, we're going to change up the order. I want to talk about Germany versus Spain. Germany's World Cup hopes are continuing after a draw versus Spain. Uh, So the first goal came in in the 62nd minute uh, as Morata Martin got a goal in the 62nd minute uh, and then Fulkrug in the 83rd minute. 
tied it up. Spain was just uh, forgetting how to play near the end. Germany was really pu- Germany was really pushing. That at the end of the day was the difference maker. Uh, you know, possession was all Spain at sixty four point one percent possession versus Germany's thirty five point nine possession. It was crazy. Three shots on target for Spain to Germany's four. Five offsides for Germany to Spain's two. As you can see, just by those stat lines, Germany was a pushing. So Germany, their campaign continues. Now let's talk about Canada. I really wish Phil was on to talk about this, but it is what it is. I'll kind of just quickly go through this, give you my thoughts. So there was a lot of pressure on Canada. The media was getting involved because John Herbin's will F Croatia comment. Croatia responded by having an unflattering picture of John Herdman, uh, you know, and basically saying, do you guys actually have balls? I'm just summarizing stuff. Then our beloved Toronto son responded by saying our balls are bigger. Just, you know, and, and, and I know that there is a partial media blackout on players, right? Like they don't know exactly what's going on outside of what their family is telling them, but they obviously hear about the big stuff. The question I was going to ask, Phil, is do you think that this motivates players? I can't see how it doesn't. I can't see how seeing a war of words on the outside doesn't help motivate you on the pitch, right? Like, I'm sure that your all your preparation is the same. Everything is the same. Nothing changes. But there's just that, like, small little uh, switch that turns on that intensifies uh, the intensity just a little bit. So this there was a lot of eyes on this game. A lot of pressure for both teams. This group was split wide open with Morocco beating and taking beating Belgium and taking the lead in the group. But it was none other than Alfonso Davies to break Canada's World Cup duck as Alfonso Davies made history by scoring Canada's first ever World Cup goal. And this came in the second minute. The first 20 minutes for Canada looking absolutely marvelous absolutely marvelous they were playing with that intensity that they had they were playing the exact same way that they were playing against belgium but that all quickly changed in the 37th minute as kramerik puts his side level with a neat left-footed finish from a tight angle not chalked off not taken back croatia won canada won this is when things started unra- unraveling. In the 44th minute, Marco Livaja puts his side in front with a strike into the bottom corner. From distance, Croatia is showing why they're the team to be, that reached the last time's World Cup. They're be getting so dominant at this point. I have friends who were at this game who were just saying how much of a marvel it is to see Croatia's midfield at play. And that's honestly what Croatia prides itself on. It's their midfield led by Luka Modric, right? Like this guy is a beast and he continues to show why he's a beast. Coming into the second half, it looks like Herdman switched things uh, to a back four. He moved Davies further up the pitch where he can hurt Croatia more. It pays dividends straight away because he got a, um, you know, Osorio got a nice kick to begin the second half. But there was one major change 
that became noticed from a lot of supporters, myself. And I wonder if Phil noticed this as well. That's Atiba Hutchison. By the beginning of the second half, Atiba just looked out of place. He looked like he couldn't keep up. He just looked tired. And I believe that he, Jonathan Herman should have substituted Atiba Hutchison at this point. I really do think that that was uh, the difference maker. And between that and just the mental preparedness of Croatia versus Canada's lack thereof in experience, that was the difference maker. And that really showed here on the uh, on the pitch. Because in the 71st minute, Kramaric gets his second goal. Persic swings in a, uh, in a, in a peach. And Kramaric just, just, just tapped it in. 3-1 at this point. And Croatia continues to push and push and push until the 94th minute where Lovro Major adds to Croatia's goal count and makes it 4-1. to one. That's how the game ended. Really tough beat for Canada. Expected when you really think about it. This is a Croatian team that was second place. Lost to eventual champions France in the World Cup Finals back in 2018. They are a good team. They had that extra motivation from all the media chat. And they are just a more prepared World Cup team overall. Not to say that Canada can't beat there, can't be there. Not to say that Canada doesn't belong to be there, but they just got outplayed. Jonathan Herdman got out coached, and the team just looked tired in that second half. Certain uh, changes weren't made, like a Tiva Hutchison, in my opinion. I just feel like the mental game got to Canada, and that was that. Canada officially eliminated from the World Cup. But the reality is this I don't believe that this is. All bad things. No, like Phil said, he said it best in our preview show, and, and we said it many times. Canada scoring was a goal, right? That was a huge, just, 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 you know, pressure off everyone's back. Now, there's one more game. Let's remember that. Yeah, we're eliminated, but let's play for pride, boys. Let's, let's play for the country. Let's remind everyone that we do belong in the World Cup, and let's go in there against Morocco and get that W. If we can get that W against Morocco and finish with three points, I will be a happy camper. And that is all I ask for. That was, you know, the past few days. We're going to be back giving you daily podcasts. On behalf of Phil and myself, stay tranquilo. Stay tranquilo.